Right, good morning again. Is the worship done, Megan? It went so quickly. No, she's ready to go more. <laughs> we sort of just got started there, but uh, we'll continue a bit later. Right, so um, this morning is really exciting in that we're going to have a baptism. So uh, we're going to get to that pretty soon. I'm going to share the word, and then we're going to get out there. Somewhere there, there's a pool, and uh, um, Albert will be sharing on why he wants to get baptized in a couple of minutes. So um, I just want to just add thanks, Ange, for sharing that word. Um, I just again realized, for those of you that are new, especially welcome this morning, um, but we've, we've been in seven venues in nine years as a church. So um, I think we've finally settled, right? We sound, finally found a home, and like I said, we're going to trust the Lord to do lots of this, this property and this space. Um, also, we, we have our evening services at the Jamison, and uh, Leona, would you please quickly come up and just explain the keys thing? I just feel it's just like really appropriate for us. Um, the Lord spoke to us really clearly last year, at the start of the year, long before any of this was on the cards. I don't have the image with me now, but it's been up quite a bit. I felt... Um I think it was last year or even before, just to, prophetically for the church, I drew three keys. So the one in the middle was the biggest one, and it had a lion. And then there was one with an eagle and one with a tree. And the other day, as we were praying just about the season in this venue, it's like I suddenly understood. It's since I've drawn it, I get to understand it bit by bit as time goes on. And it's suddenly like I understood it better. Um, and I always knew that the key in the middle is the bigger one. It's like the overarching one. And I always knew it was related to songs of the prophets. But it's more than that. What it is, is um, God, it's revival. It's the sound of God, the roar. It's the rule of the line of Judah. It's something happening in the spirit realm. It's something opening. It's to do with the prophecies of the revival coming from the southern tip of Africa. And then suddenly I understood, because I always knew that the tree, all the years God spoke to us as a church since we planted, God spoke to us about us as a tree. So when we planted, we saw the seed, and over the years, there would continuously be visions from people about this tree, and it would always be growing, and, and once God showed us how we moved it, and lots of things. But um, I came to understand now that the tree, because God always showed us that the tree is planted on the Jamison Stairs, which is on UCT, and which is also a prophetically and spiritually significant high place in Cape Town. So the key with the tree for me represents in this season the evening service, which is held at Jamison. And I always knew that the eagle one was still coming, and I knew it would be this season. And I believe that this venue is the eagle. So the morning service and this venue and what the Lord is doing here and some of what they mentioned this morning and also a lot more and um, uh, the things about reconciliation and what God is doing in the country, that is all represented by the eagle. And that's the season right now. So as a church, we carry the revival, the sound of God, the tabernacle of David, God moving through music, the revival coming from the southern tip of Africa. We carry that overarchingly. And then we execute it through the morning service, which is the tree and the evening service. And I'm not really talking about the service. When I say that, I mean the group of people, the young working in the families, which is by the eagle and in this area, and the students, which is by the tree and in that area. My wife is prophetic, if you didn't <laughs> tell by that. Um, and by the way, we are not the center of conflict resolution. Um, Although a lot of conflict resolution will happen here, I believe, um, those signs still need to change. Um, yes, and so we, we had an um, encounter one yesterday. Who was it encounter one? You can put up your hand. It was really such an awesome time in the presence of God. If you don't know, encounters are our growth series. Um, and encounter one is just so amazing. I, I just again had the revelation of power of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can never be called average. You're not of this world. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God lives in you. And so, you know, God makes us, you know, do things that's impossible. I remember um, sharing yesterday, um, you know, when I just came to salvation, I was so, 
um, so moved by the fact that God is, is near and powerful, you know, and that, that He can do things through us, you know, that is impossible um, in, this, in this life. And so I want to pick up from there. I've, I've titled this morning sermon. You won't see it on the screen. Um, but I've titled it, it uh, uh, I Can Do Attitude. So again, uh, I Can Do Attitude. So to give you a bit of an illustration of this, um, you know, there's the saying, um, if you want to get something done, go to a busy person, right? And so um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were, you know, sort of planning what we're going to do here, and things were like really happening quickly. And, um, you know, you see that jungle gym out there. About two weeks ago, that wasn't there. And so I thought, you know, Ivan is our man for the job. But, I know, but if, you know, if you know Ivan, you'll know he's going through a very hectic time. Um, he runs a factory of, I don't know how many people, um, and they're going through a massive transition. So I was a little bit, you know, this guy's really busy. But again, if you want to get something done, you know, I said to Ivan, you know, I know you're busy, but I know you can get stuff done. They pitched up, there's a little video, um, and, you know, I, I, I said during the week, um, Ivan, you know, you're a little... A little bit ambitious. You know, you're going to finish it in a day and it's going to be ready for church tomorrow. You know, go for it, but uh, we'll see. And um, they were done by one o'clock. All the dads joined and one o'clock, that whole system was done. I've built a little, a little jungle gym (laughs) before and it didn't take me a day. (laughs) Um, But, 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 but what I'm, what I'm getting at is an attitude in us that responds positively towards that which God um, prompts us to do. And I think the opposite of an I can do attitude, um, there's a lot of opposites, in fact. There's, um, there could be a, a fear response. So God requests something of us and we, we're afraid. We don't, don't think we can do it. Um, we could... Um, we could be overwhelmed. There's just so much to do. Um, there could be so many reasons why we don't have such an attitude. Um, but the bottom line of such an attitude is we are in, inhibited. All right? Um, the opposite of I can do is then to be inhibited. And, you know, again, with the power of the Holy Spirit, God has made us free. Right? We, we, we are free to, to be to be free to do what God calls us to do, right? There shouldn't be inhibitions. There shouldn't be things um, that hold us back. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pause there for a second um, and just give you a bit of context. Um, again, if you're new with us this morning, we are busy um, going through our values of this church. This whole year, we're going to be speaking uh, about our five values um, as a congregation. So last year, there was a group of leaders that um, didn't decide what our values were. We just reflected on what God has been doing through us. And we sort of, you know, captured that in these, these five um, values, things that, that we really hold um, dear as a congregation, as a group of people. And the, the values are the following. Who can tell me the values? Let's, let's do this rather. No, no, no. I think we should, knowing God, being together. Living with fire, cultivating awareness, and intentionally outward. All right, so those are five values. We need to get it up somewhere. We need to write it on the wall or something. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but so the first two months of the year, we were talking about being together. Um, and we did a lot of practical things around getting together. And we, um, we've been really um, uh, working hard at, um, you know, Shifting small groups and um, bringing small groups to the principle of um, living life and doing life together, and, and some of it is happening as we speak. Um, we're getting there, but that is really important to us as a group of people. We we don't just um, you know do events or get-togethers. We'll do life together. We are together, and we don't just do stuff together. But sometimes we just are together, right? We have meals or um, spend time together. Um, that is really important for us. So that's the first value that we looked at, and then things got a bit crazy and hectic. Um, 
Liana has shared on living with fire, but I want to pick up with living with fire um, again this morning. So I want to read um, our description of what living with fire means to us. So it means the following. Is it up on the screen? Do you, do you have the words there, uh, Jason? Yes, no? Not. Okay, it's fine. You can just listen to the words. Okay. We believe God is present in this world and moves powerfully by the supernatural. The Holy Spirit who is at work here is a person and not a force. He is both the fire in us as a way of being as well as through us as a way of living. We take individual and corporate responsibility to fan the flame that the Holy Spirit breathes within us to live passionately for God. Then we yield to God to be activated as we seek to love and bless others through the super, supernatural ways, both inside and outside the church. We do this practically by creating room for such encounters. We desire them, welcome them, honor them, and invite others into godly supernatural encounters by teaching and imparting. Finally, we, believed, um, we believe that we are called to be a prophetic church. We value the prophetic um, and place specific emphasis on it. A couple of weeks ago, no, it's two weeks ago, um, we, we, I officiated a wedding, and um, it's, it's always amazing if we have lots of our church people at a wedding. And um, so those of you that know Johannes and Rihanna, they really love the Lord. They're really um, passionate about His presence. Um, and so there's a big group of people um, and um, I was just so impressed, you know, so excited because they said they want to have words at the wedding. I don't know how many, how many times have you been at a wedding and there was a tongue and an interpretation of the tongue, right? Who's been at such a wedding? Okay, it's, quite a, it's quite a radical wedding, right? Um, there was a moment where I was like a little bit, because um, I, I had to, you know, I had the mic, you know, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to go down. Um, but it was amazing. I, I, um, obviously, at a wedding, you have your message pre-planned and your scriptures pre-planned. And I had three main points. And a couple of people came up and they interpreted the tongue and all three of the points. And only the three points were mentioned, like to the T. Like the word was waters in the wilderness, right? That's the scripture. And exactly those words were said. Right, and it, um, it was just such a confirmation. I was just repeating the words in a message, and it was such a sign. You, know, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't sit there and say, um, well, you could say, either this is like really, really planned, like rehearsed, that this would be so coinciding, or it must be God. There's no, there's no, in, there's no midway. You know, it was so clear, and it, it, it's so struck me that that's what we call to live, living with fire. You know, whatever situation we're in, it's not just in church, right? We love church. We love the fact that God is here and the supernatural is here and He speaks to us. Um, but it's not limited to a Sunday. It's not limited to a Wednesday. It's life. Wherever we go, the Holy Spirit is in us. And He wants to just, he wants to just come out. So I want to pick up with this, um, this I can do attitude. Um, the good news is, and I've, I've made many mistakes over the years. Um, I've many times said to God, no, I don't think I can do it. You know, I don't think this is going to work. Um, I remember there was a, there was a time where um, I, um, God used me in um, bringing tongues, right? Uh, the gift of tongues. We're talking about it a lot this morning. But... Um, I was in the service, and I very clearly felt, okay, you need to go up, up to the front um, and share the tongue. And there was actually an invitation by the preacher saying, I must come up. Um, but I was a very new Christian, and I was very, I didn't know the preacher. So you know how you, how you make excuses up in your head, right? You're like, no, 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 that's not you, Lord, or... No, I, don't, I can't do it. We, the, the preacher doesn't know me, so I'll go up and he'll just say, no, 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 it's not going to work. Um, you got all these excuses. And it was a wrestle, 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 and eventually I said, Lord, I can't do it. No, I'm not going to do it. 
And um, the preacher, you know, closed. I think there was one or two words, but nothing very specific. Um, and he started his sermon, and the title of the sermon was, sermon was The Gift of Speaking in Tongues. And then I was like, wow, I missed it. Right? If I had gone up and I'd shared the tongue, it would have been a perfect demonstration of the message. And right then and there, I made the decision. I repented. I was like, Lord, you know, I'm really sorry. Um, but, but next time, I'm just going to do it. Right? I, just, I just made that decision in me. Um, I'd rather be a fool for Jesus than miss it. Right? In the context of eternity, you know, what is it to just make a mistake? And, and on the other hand, I've, I've, I've almost never seen it not really work out. I've never seen a tongue being shared and there not being in interpretation. I've often thought, where the heck will the interpretation come from? But it just always happens. Um, and God is, God is like that. So, obviously, speaking um, into a very specific um, type of responding to God. It's a very specific, yes, God, I can do it. Um, but th this applies to, to everything. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. So I can do. And so uh, I can do attitude is, is not a factor of a personality or behavioral type, right? There's, there's obviously diversities of people. We have different ways that we relate, engage with the world. Some of us are extroverts. Others are introverts. Some of us are detail-focused. Some of us are... Um, you know, all over the show. Um, but an I can do attitude is not a factor of your personality, right? You, there's different ways, and God really understands us. I mean, of course He does. He created us. He made the personality, and the, He gave you the gifts that you have. And so He understands what we need. Um, he understands what, what needs to happen. Um, also, it's not a factor of a life phase or a capacity. Um, God knows the demands on your life. If he were to ask you something, surely he knows what he's doing. Surely he's aware of the challenges that you're facing. He's aware of the limitations that you have. Um, he's aware of all the excuses that we can come up with. Some of them are legitimate. Um, and others are not, but surely he knows which, are, which ones are legitimate and which ones are not. Um, and the third, it's not a factor of our capacity. So again, we could be very busy, um, but you know the difference between a God work and a good work. Often we get busy with good works, but then there's God works. Um, so sometimes God calls us to do something, and it just simply doesn't feel like you can, Right? But, but I love what Jack Aifert says. He says, the word is, is, is living and powerful. The word is so amazing, right? When you read the word, that word um, has the potential, has the power within the word to empower you to do what it requires you to do. That's God's dynamic word, right? So if you, if you have God's word, you can go places. So I can do um, attitude is a factor of uh, several things, seven things, in fact. It's a factor of a good heart, a good state of your heart. If your heart is in a good place, um, then you would have this I can do attitude. So very good example. If you look at the disciples, there was one thing that got Jesus very upset with these disciples, who can tell me what that one thing is? There was one thing that got him really upset. I mean, he loved this these group of people. He spent his whole life prayer, okay, yes, watching, watching and praying, true. But the one thing he pointed out to his disciples was their hardness of heart, right? He rebuked them several times. I was, you know, you almost cringe. You're like, Jesus, that is hard, <laughs> You know, these guys are like loyal and faithful and following you when everyone else is forsaking you. But Jesus is like, you, you wicked and perverse generation, right? He rebukes them. He's like, 
seriously, um, seriously upset with the state of their hearts. He says, you've hardened your hearts. Your hearts should have been soft, right? And I think this is particularly difficult in our culture today, especially like the last couple of years, because it's become really a popular thing to have a really bad heart, right? If you can be really negative and have a really hard heart and speak out loud, you are celebrated. The opposite is true with God. God wants a soft heart, a heart that is yielded to Him, right? And so that sort of a heart can hinder God's grace from flowing. Because guess what? I do attitude. It's, it's the best. It's, it's great for people around you because they're going to see God's grace and glory on you. But it's even better for you because you are a, a recipient and a channel for God's grace to flow, right? I can do all things. Um, I can do um, attitude is a factor of um, competence, okay? Sometimes you feel I'm not able to do this. I don't have the necessary skill um, to do this. I'm going to come back to that. It's a, it's a factor of self-confidence. Maybe um, God is asking something to me, but I'm, I don't feel confident in myself to do this. Um, I think a, a better way, Godfidence. God confidence. A confidence not in my abilities, but in God um, who comes through. Um, I can do attitude is a factor of motivation. So perhaps God comes to you, says do this, but you, you, you're sort of intense, but you're just not motivated, right? Um, you just can't get yourself to do it. Perhaps you lack motivation for whatever reason. Of course, the, the ultimate motivation is love, right? I love God, and I love His people. And so I'm compelled by the love that is in my heart. The, the sixth one, I, um, a, a factor that could limit me in being a, having a I, uh, can-do attitude is security. Security versus insecurity. If I feel insecure, in, in firstly in God and His love, um, I will struggle to, to have such an attitude. And the final factor is the fear of the Lord. All right? Um, I'm, we're going to look at one or two examples of, of, of people um, in biblical times. Um, but the, the, the big change happened with the realization of God's glory, how amazing God is, how big He is. You know, when, when I compare the size of God to my problem, my problem disappears, right? God is amazing. So that revelation, that encounter with Him, that's why worship is crucial. We cannot not worship. It's like Paul and Silas, they, they circ, they're surrounded, they're in prison, right? The circumstances cannot get worse. They start worshiping. They see God's glory, what happens? The place shakes and they are free, right? Worship is powerful. But let's just, before we look at some of the people in the scriptures, why do, we, why do I even want to be a I can do person? Why do I want to? The answer is simple. John chapter 15 verse 14. You are my friends if you obey my commandments. You are my friends if you obey my commandments. John chapter 14 verse 21. He who has my commandments and keep them, keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So of course we want to all be friends with God. Of course we want to love God. Now Jesus says your love um, towards me is measured by your obedience. The fact that you do my commandments. Now, you'll have to do a whole encounter one um, to, fully, to fully, you know, get this again. But um, it's not a performance thing. God is never into performance. If you find yourself measuring yourself up against your performance, that is never the right place to be. God comes to you um, like with Jesus. Before Jesus has done anything, um, God says, this is my son. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? You can do a whole sermon on this. But, but God gives him, he's, he affirms him and accepts him before he's done anything, right? That's the God that we serve. God secures us with his love, 
right? And so God never sits back and he says, well, I'll maybe give you my love if you do this and that and the other, right? If you measure to this, then you'll get my love. No, he says, I give you my love immediately. You have it, right? Fully. You're accepted. In, in, in Christ, in Jesus, um, you are royalty. You are a, a son or daughter, heir of God, before you've done anything. And from that love flows out the doing. Right, but if we have the love and they flow, there's no love um, doing that flows out, then perhaps you've received the love of God, but you've become a dam, you've just taken it in, and 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 that is not so much wrong as it is sad because, because you could have so much more, right? If if the waters flow, it's, it's so much more blessed, you know. Jesus says, You will have rivers of waters. Never says a dam because there's a flowing implied. There's a there's a giving. There's an outflow implied, and and that is truly the most fulfilled place that you can be in your life. So that's the reason we want to do such a be such a person. I can do person a person that says, Jesus, I love you, and because I love you, you know, yeah, it's like James says, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with works, right? And God requires us um, to express our love, um, not from a place of performance, but an outflow of love. So, here's the good news. The good news is I'm sure all of us relate with um, sometimes being a bit overwhelmed, right? Or often, or every time <laughs> when God asks us something, we're probably overwhelmed because mostly when God asks something of us, we don't really have the ability to do it, right? Because he knows we need him. So he asks something of us that is beyond our own capacity, but he empowers us and he enables us. As we begin to walk, um, he, comes, he comes through for us. So Moses had an I can't do it attitude. Did you realize that? When God even appeared to him at the burning bush, remember he was arguing with God? He said, God, I can't speak. I can't do this. All right? And then God came up with a little bit of a compromise and gave him Aaron, right, to do the speaking. Gideon, the mighty man of God, he had a I can't do attitude. When the angel of the Lord came to him, he said, I don't know if I can do this. And then he tested God a couple of times. Remember, he put out the fleece. And then that happened. Supernatural confirmation happened. And he was still not satisfied. He still said, well, I can't do this. Confirm it again to me, Lord. And, and uh, he had such an attitude. Jonah, did Jonah have an I can do attitude? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and so we can go on and on and on and on, right? If you think of the disciples, they ran away from Jesus, right? Most of the great heroes, go and look at Hebrews chapter 11, all the great heroes listed there, God came to them and their first response was, I can't do. I can't do it, Lord. All right? Look at Jeremiah. I want you to see this. Chapter 1. Is he different? Yes? No? What do you think? It's a trick question. No one wants to answer now. Okay, let's read rather. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Our Lord, God, behold, I cannot speak. I can't do. I am just a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his, his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I've, my, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well. I'm ready to perform my word. What do you see there? 
We see a man being overwhelmed. We see a man perhaps even a little bit insecure. We see a man that is all the things that we've spoken about is like really difficult for him. But we see at the same time in that moment, in that place of connecting with God, that's the key, right? Said worship. In that moment of connecting with God, God comes to him and God says to him, but I can do. Right? You get that? God says, I can do. I am ready to perform my word. God is busy. God is ready. And it's, and it's that realization that changes us into I can do people. Right? The fact that we know that it's God that can do. I mean, God calls him to something that is ridiculous. Right? A prophet to the nations. This young guy. He doesn't see it in himself. He doesn't, he can't imagine it. But God says, but I can do through you. I've chosen you. Starts off the word so beautiful. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. So there's a very strong element of trust there, right? There's a very strong element of relationship there. So God knew you, he made you, he formed you in your mother's womb. He was so involved. I mean, can God say he was more involved than forming you in your mother's womb? You know, you could perhaps say, you know, when I was five years, I had this encounter with God and he did something. But God wasn't just involved with that one encounter. He started in the womb, right? Even before you were born, God had already so involved, Right? And so, if, if, a, if a father is a good father, and he's so involved, surely he knows what he's doing. Surely he knows what he put in you, right? And so, it's just up to us to come to that realization of what God sees in me, and then the attitude changes. Suddenly, it's not, I can't do God, but it's a, I can do all things, because it's you that strengthens me. Three things that I'm going to end off with this. Um, oh, Matthew's here. Right, Matthew's <laughs> going to do the baptism side of things. I'm like, where's Matthew? Oh, Matthew's here. Three just final things, and I'm going to just touch on them. In all these situations, and you see this transformation in every era of the faith, the disciples were cowards. Um, the first one to stand up, on, in the book of Acts chapter 2 was the biggest coward, Peter, that denied Jesus and he said, I can do, right? He stood up and he preached the sermon, 3,000 came to salvation. He eventually ended up being crucified upside down because of his I can do attitude, right? This, this coward was so bold, that transformation was so powerful that he realized, well, who I am um, and the trust that I've created in, in having Christ I can even say yes to I can go to the cross. I can even die. That's, that's, that's how convinced he was of the fact that he could trust God um, and the transformation in him. So three things that stands out of these people with, with such a transformation is firstly, they have the right theology of the impossible. Right? What is the right theology of the impossible? Because the right theology is God is the God of the impossible. He, he specializes in the impossible. Um, there's nothing that is impossible with God. So with all these people, they realize that if I'm a Moses and I get to a Red Sea, God specializes in the impossible. If I'm a Paul and a Silas in a prison, guess what? I serve a God who serves the impossible, does the impossible. Um, if I'm a Lazarus in the grave, we were speaking at Encounter one yesterday. What, what would you do if you could find Lazarus? Say Lazarus is walking around. You try and travel and you get back to Lazarus. He's just been raised from the dead. How would you threaten Lazarus? <laughs> How would you go him like, ooh, I'm really afraid now. Would, would you be able to say anything that scares him? No, because he knows the one that he holds the keys to life and death, right? He knows the ultimate impossibility is possible 
through him. Death and coming back to life again. Um, so that brings me to the second point. Is fears versus faith. Because this is the big one, right? Fear. Can I do, with, do what God wants me to do? I'm a little bit afraid. Or maybe I'm very afraid. Right? But we see that all these people had fears. It wasn't that they were so great. I think sometimes we take all these heroes of the Bible and we, we deify them a bit. You know, they just, they, these superhuman, they're not gods, they're just superhuman, right? But they had real fears, probably more than we had, have. And they just learned that their God is bigger than their fear. And it became a discipline, right? I think sometimes some of us, we, we experience God's grace. He does amazing things. And then we go on and we forget, right? Um, but did you know that you actually need to train yourself and discipline your emotions, you know, to not overwhelm you, right? But, but we spoke about this in, at Encounter 1 again. We are primarily spiritual beings. We need to learn the discipline of placing our spirit above our um, soul and our bodies, right? So you need to learn the discipline of doing the desires of the spirit when the flesh is not happy, right? That's why we do things like fasting and so on. Right? To learn to subject the, the flesh to the spirit. Right? And then we can do um, all things. But they, were, they, they became risk takers, these great people of God. They learned what faith means and they were open to the, um, the, the boldness that the Holy Spirit um, could release in them. And finally, they had the belief in something that was bigger than themselves. Right? They believed in something more than their careers. Right, Many of the men of God left their careers. They left their dreams. They left their, their plans. And they, they, they started believing in something bigger. I think what the Lord is, was, was trying to tell us this morning was, I'm doing something that is bigger than, than just us. Right? His, his heart is, is it's for us, yes but his heart is for the city, right? We are here with a purpose, right? And so, so, you know, God wants us to believe in something bigger. There's something bigger that he's doing. You know, it's great to have this space. And I said this from the beginning. God has blessed us with this space, not for our comfort, but for his glory, right? And so we're going to, you know, the way you start out is the way in which you continue, so this is the way we're going to start out. We're not going to settle down, get comfortable, and say, yes, this is great. We're going to have picnics on the grass. We're going to have lots of picnics, by the way. We're going to watch the, the, the Cricket World Cup on the screen and the Rugby World Cup and everything. We're going to have lots of fun here. But we're going to always consider the greater reality, the bigger picture, the fact that God wants us to believe in the revival that is coming from the southern tip of Africa, right here where we are at. That's why this place is called Harvest Hope. And that wasn't anyone's idea. That was God's idea, right? He put us in this place, and it's called, in Dutch, translated to English, Harvest Hope. The hope of the harvest. The hope of, um, you know, and, and the cities, the, the, the city of good hope, right? Do you see coincidence there? I don't know, but I see God incidents. I see the fact that God is, he's got a plan, and he wants us to say yes to him. Can I pray for us and then Matthew's going to lead us with the baptism. Father, we, we thank you for transformation. We thank you, God, that you are able to change the heart of man. God, you are able to do things in us that we thought would never be possible. Father, even your word says that just wait, there's, there's something coming, there's something about to happen that if you were told that you wouldn't even believe it, that's the God that we serve, a God of the impossible, a God that is not passive, a God that is not distant, but a God that is so involved in history and in time and in, in this moment. And we thank you, Father, that you, you draw close to us, um, but we, God, give, give you our lives for your glory, for your purpose. I want to ask while every eye is closed, if you are here this morning and you want to just say, yes, God, I'm a little bit afraid. 
I'm a little bit, you know, concerned, but I'm standing in the boat, this place of, in my safety, and I realize that you're on the waters, and it's a little bit choppy on the waters, but, but I've been made to walk on waters. I've been made to do this, and, but I'm, I'm, I, like, I like this comfort, this safe space. And I realize that your word is calling me, and there will be words that called me. And previously there were words, and maybe I missed it at some stages. So, Father, I just I start to repent in my heart. I say sorry for when I've missed you, when I've missed that unction of the Holy Spirit. I realize there's so much more. There's so much more that, that can be happening in me and around me. But I want to just in a holy moment, if we can just keep our eyes closed. If you want to say, God, I say yes. I, I know my mind is freaking out and I'm thinking all the implications. But I don't say yes to the doing yet. I say yes to the trusting. I say yes to the trusting you that you know that what you're doing. And I say yes to the trusting that you see in me what I cannot see yet. Or not fully. But I say yes to that. Why don't you just lift up your hands? I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for all these hands. Lord, my hand is also up. God, we say, we say, come and come and give us the ability to trust. God, come with your Holy Spirit. God, this, as, I've, as I'm just so sensing, God, you're saying that there's a reason why you gave us the comforter, to comfort us. God, in, in areas of lack, God, in areas of ways that we've lacked as children and in our growing up and, and certain insecurities that have crept in and certain broken relationships and a broken world, God, you want to send your comforter, Lord, to comfort us, to strengthen us, to to, to enable us to go beyond, to not be defined by the circumstances of this life, Lord, to not be defined by people and bad words spoken of us, but to be defined by your word. God, we, we fan the flame of your word in our lives. We fan the flame of that which you say as opposed to the world. And we choose to grab hold of that, Lord. We choose to step out onto the waters and to do that which you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sure. It's so deep, eh? <laughs> I feel like I'm in the deep end. <laughs> cool. I just want to check first, who here is not baptized? You've never been baptized before. Don't be shy. No rebuke. There's grace here. You can just put your hands up. If you've never been baptized, there's someone at the back. Who else? Don't be shy. If I know you're not baptized, then your hand is not up. Ah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well... We have a privilege this morning of having baptism. Um, I want to encourage you, if you're not baptized and maybe it's very uncomfortable, you feel afraid of the waters, the water is not going to kill you. So it's not going to bite you. We always have water that is clean. Um, so you're not going to die. Yeah. You know, when I go to the ocean, I'm afraid sometimes if I get closer, I'm like, ooh, I've never swimmed in this place. I remember... Um, I, was, I had to take pictures for my first ever recording, and I had to take pictures in the ocean. So they had to be waves. And now, I was still new in Cape Town. So, uh, and I wasn't used to the whole ocean thing. And I tell you, it was a lady that was taking pictures, and I, had to, and I was trying to act comfortable. <laughs> I remember it was a thing, but I think... When you're getting baptized, it's more than that. Because first, you are identifying with Christ. If you read the Gospel of Matthew, um, Matthew was writing his Gospel to, to the Jews. The first act that Matthew records of Jesus was his baptism. And remember, Matthew was presenting Jesus as this Messiah to the Israelites. And one of the things that he quotes, which was pro Isaiah prophecy, so when the father say, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. 
And if you read in the Psalms and many other scriptures in the Old Testament, God called Israel his son, his firstborn. So Jesus was being this corporate Israel that was going through this experience. So now, Jesus was basically identifying himself with the people before the Lord. And just thinking of baptism, it's such a prophetic moment where one decides to identify with Christ. But it's almost like a representation of an entire generation that is going to step into this reality of God. And uh, we have this privilege of baptizing Albert this morning. Uh, Albert, you can come maybe to the front. I personally met Albert. I'm actually the first person that ever met him in this church. <laughs> he came right after the morning service um, at the coffee shop and he, he asked if we had a service. I don't know if the service was done, if we had another service in the evening. I said we had one because he stayed very close to the previous office. I said to him, well, you know what, I can get your, your details and then I will send you the invitation. So it was a good marketing time, praise the Lord. He has the fruit. So, um, yeah, so from that time, I think uh, he was in small group and he was ready for everything. But it's very significant for us to see your obedience. And even for me, being on the first time, I'm like, wow, Jesus, that wasn't just marketing. That was actually your thing. So we're very excited. We would like to hear why are you excited to be baptized this morning. I've never speak, spoken, in, I'm actually Afrikaans, so my English might be a little bit weird. Um, I've never spoken in front of so many people in my life, and it's time. Um, I want to make it very clear that this is not for me, but this is for Jesus. I'm not doing it for me, and I want him to have the glory today, not me. Um, for me, it means like dying, not physically, like you said. Um, <laughs> Um, leaving that all behind and standing up as a new person, leaving my flesh behind, but standing up in Jesus and the promises that he gave me that's going to happen after this is it's big. It's very, very big and I know he's going to fulfill whatever the enemy has taken from me. Every single thing that the enemy has stolen is going to be restored ten times. And that is what this is for me, personally. That's it. Awesome. Sure. Awesome. Why don't you want to stand together? We, we're just going to pray. Uh, you want to say anything? Just before we pray, I never do this with the baptism. After the baptism, we're all going to pray for Albert and just trust the Lord to speak of him. But... Just felt the unction now to just share it now. I said it last week, but when I was praying before last week for this venue, um, the Lord just showed me um, that He is sending strong people to this congregation. And his, his goal with them is to grow them up to be oaks of righteousness, just see really big, strong trees. That's one of the things that He will do with this venue. And, and when I prayed last Saturday about this, Albert was one of the people I saw. So I just want to come and say that again, Albert, that the, I believe the Lord sent you to us, and I believe He is turning you into an oak of righteousness with strength. Amen. So let's just stretch our hands to Him and, and really speak words of blessing. Let's just prophesy over Him before the prophecies that we will share with Him after the baptism. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Albert, Lord. Thank you for your grace over him, Lord. Yes, Father, we, we thank you for Albert, Lord. We thank you for his obedience, Lord. We thank you for his presence in our midst, Lord. We thank you that we can celebrate together with him, Lord. This step, Lord, of coming into your kingdom.
of coming in through the door, Father. Father God, we honor his commitment, we honor his life, and we celebrate him as a son, Father, in your home, Lord, as a son in your kingdom. Father God, we celebrate your hand that is upon him, Father. Thank you, Father, for your flame in his life, Father. Flame that nothing, that no one will be able to quench, Father. Thank you, God, for such a moment where we can witness, God, your divine hand, Lord, involved in his life, Father. We pray, God, even through this baptism, that, Father, this will be a starting moment, Father God, of, of a revival, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you that this morning he can also say that I can do it, that he can do it, that he can get baptized, Father. Thank you, Father, for this seed that is about to grow. We pray for this moment that God, that which you start in him shall multiply. Thank you, Father, that this is just a sign, Father. This is a sign, God, of many other things, God, of many other multiplications, God, that you're going to do. We thank you, God, for this opportunity that we have. We even pray for those that are still uncomfortable to get baptized, Father. We pray for their hearts to remain ready, ready for you and open. For you, Father, open to your word, God, open to obey, God, as you say that your, your friends, God, are those who obey your commands, Father, and we want to all to be friends of you, God, and we do not want any one of us to miss that which your word says, Father, we give you glory, and we give you praise, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I think, uh, can maybe go get ready there, it would be cool if all of us could be there. And witness the baptism. And then remember, we have to bless him after the baptism. Like Jesus was affirmed by the Father. So it would be cool if we don't rush too much. And give some time to, to bless him with a word of encouragement. But if you're rushing and you feel something on your heart, you're always welcome to shave and send it as a message to the office. We can always forward it to him as well. Thank you. <laughs>